millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Well, Mark, today is a little bit of an extra here on the Two Sharp Reds because we're going to give ourselves a bit of a well-deserved break just so we've got a bit of momentum going in to the last couple of rounds of the, the, the season. I think that's probably a sensible thing to do, but I, I don't know. It, that, this must be a new thing for you in your new world because, of course, you can't really say that to your manager. <laughs> Six games out from the, from the end, you go, oh, look, I'll just have a quick break and then I'll come back better. No, certainly not. And uh, I think my wife would have on many occasions loved me to have gone in and gone, Gaffer, sorry, mate, I can't make this weekend. My wife's not feeling very well. Um, she wants me at home to look after the kids. Mm, no, no chance. Doesn't fly. Uh, they, would have, they would have said, oh, it's fine, we'll sort someone out for you or go and get someone in or whatever, you know. And the other thing about it is you said we're doing an extra. That's pretty cool, though. Like two sharp reds extra. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, it's like a Netflix series or, or one of those Amazon Prime series. There's, you, you finish watching the entire series, but then there's an extra. Do you know How what cool they call this in the media world? They call it an Easter egg. Do they really? Yeah, a little bit of a Wonderful. surprise. So, okay, of course. An extra Easter egg after Easter. You know, an additional my, Easter egg. That's my Brilliant. style, Mark. You know that. <laughs> now, of course, the Two Sharp Reds have been going for quite a while now. So, this week, while there isn't an episode, it's a great chance to look back across the back catalogue and have a listen to some of the awesome guests we've had on. We've had Rob Hooth was one of my favourites, Mark, but we've had plenty of guests over the year. He was the first one, wasn't he? He was the first, yeah. You won't forget the first, will you? You never forget your first, no way. No, and that's possibly why he's your favourite. Is that why as well? Um, it was also because we were in Manchester, we yeah. were in a wine bar. I think maybe Mitch Langerak also is up there, but you know, it's always better when you can be in person, I think, for those sort of things. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I mean, to be fair, one of my personal favourites was Neil Warnock. I mean, I mean Stephen <laughs> Warnock. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, he was one of my favourite ones, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, listen, there's obviously a lot to listen to. There's been, you know, a lot, a lot of episodes that we've done over the, over the course of, what, over a year now. Uh, been a lot of fun. Unfortunately, for the vast majority of them, we haven't been able to do them in person, have we? It's just no. this whole, this silly thing, whatever it's called, that COVID thing that's popped that? up and got in the way. That COVID thing, whatever it is. I haven't really heard, of it? heard of it myself, but... That's... No. Yeah, well, something that's you know, just popped up and wreaked a bit of havoc around the world. Plus, um, certainly it hasn't enabled us to be in person uh, to sit down and conduct a, a Two Shout Reds podcast, which has been disappointing, of course. However, I think we've made the most of it. Yeah, we've done some great episodes. So do go back through the back catalogue. We, of course, look at the, the more serious side and the lighter side of football and, of course, wine. Uh, and uh, look, it is a bonus episode, so I don't want to keep you, ro- uh, you. I don't want to keep you long on your day off, Mark. But of course, uh, it's been a busy weekend in the world of football. So just give, to give people a taste of the sort of things that they can expect throughout the back catalogue, a couple of uh, topics that we we should uh, get through while I've got you. Uh, Jose Mourinho. We woke up this morning. I thought I was having a dream, a, a great dream, admittedly, but I saw he's been sacked by Tottenham Hotspur. I couldn't believe it, Mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I saw some news break, I think it was on Twitter, and I actually thought it was not, a, it was not from a source that I, that I kind of thought was legit, and I actually thought it was a bit of a joke. I thought someone had just put it out there, a bit of, bit of fun, a bit of banter, 
And I just thought, what date is it? No, it's not April Fool's Day. Obviously, that's come and gone. Um, but I was a bit, um, I was very, very surprised, I have to say. And then when I saw the, the official announcement, um, and then, you know, from what I've heard uh, from a couple of uh, um, sources is that uh, the, you know, the change room has been lost. Um, the club decided that it was better to make a, um, uh, a decision and move now, something that they've been thinking about for a while, apparently, due to the, uh, the recent form. But also, I think more, even, more, even more so is to do with the fact that, you know, Jose at times has been quite critical of his players. And I think what was the icing on the cake or the tipping point was, I think, Harry Kane coming out and saying that uh, about his future. And he wasn't going to make any decision until after the Euros. And then there was some breaking news about two weekends ago where it said that uh, if Tottenham don't make it into Champions League position, he'll be looking, he'll be asking the club to leave. And I think that was kind of the final nail in the coffin, um, so to speak. Um, well, the decision was pretty much made at that point where they said, right, okay, you know, this is this is too big for us to 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 put to one side and we need to deal with it now. The only thing is six days out from a cup final, putting Ryan Mason in charge, I mean yeah, listen, we've seen it before. Players, ex-players take over. Ryan Mason obviously is very, very well liked um, amongst the, the the players, or a lot of the players particularly who knew him or played with him. Uh, it's not that long ago that he had to retire due to injury. But, I mean, you know, you're playing against Manchester City, Pep Guardiola. They're hurting. They're smarting after being knocked out by Chelsea in the semi-final of the FA Cup. Do you really want to make that decision now? Obviously, they did, and it's done. And gosh, that mountain that uh, Tottenham had to climb prior or pre-sacking of Jose Mourinho, I think, is just doubled in size. In a competition that Mourinho has been so prolific in, as well, mind you. And this is exactly what he just needed to win one trophy with Tottenham. You know know what's funny to me is that as a player, these moments, and I know, I know, within a group, I've been in situations where you haven't liked the manager, you haven't seen eye to eye with the manager. It's, you know, for all intents and purposes from what you're hearing is that they were really upset, maybe didn't like him, whatever it is with the way that he handled situations, of course. But to get to a point as a player where you say, no, he needs to go now. And you've got a cup final six days away. And like you said, a cup competition whereby Jose has been prolific in winning I don't know why you wouldn't just go, right, you know what? We're going to suck it up for this game mm. and we're going to get it over the line. And this is our unbelievable opportunity to try and win a trophy against the Manchester City side that obviously on paper are certain favourites, certainly favourites. However, they've had a bit, they've had a blip in, the, you know, in, in their performance. They've had a, 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 a speed hump, a pothole, whatever you want to call it. They've, they've stuttered and there's a chance. There is a genuine chance. I just think now that opportunity has slipped that little bit further away from uh, Tottenham. Do we think it, uh, Mourinho's time in England has probably finished, at least for a little while? Well, I think at that level. So when you talk about, say, well, I know six, seven clubs in the league, uh, in the competition or in the country, the bigger clubs, quite, quite possibly, yeah, for the time being. Um, is that the end of Jose Mourinho? No. Will he get another big job? Yes. Will it be abroad? Most likely, I would have thought. The other topic I do just want to go through here. and The elephant in the room? The elephant in the room, speaking of identities of English football teams, it's greed at the moment. Uh, yeah. And that's the, the, the proposed summer league competition. And 
I'm just looking at Tottenham Hotspur's page now, and obviously they they tweeted about that 16 hours ago, and then a few hours later they then made a, another statement about Jose. Are we thinking that are there is there any chance that Jose's exit of Tottenham ha- has to do with this at all? I wouldn't be surprised if he were anti it. I wouldn't be surprised if he was vocal about the club being involved in it. Was it the reason he was was relieved of his duties? It possibly was just the tipping point, the final nail, the final push, the final irritation for the club to to go through with it. I don't think, I just don't think he would. The history that Jose has with European football, I, I just, yeah, I just don't see him going against, sorry, going with that kind of competition. I could see him being totally against it. I, for one, are against it. You know, when you talk, I listen to quite a lot of ex-players who have played a lot of games in, in the competition and won it um, or, or who have just played a lot of games and, and, and grew up supporting a team. Danny Murphy was, was quite boisterous in, in, in one of the uh, news outlets talking about as a kid growing up, as a supporter of a football club, looking at the iconic games, the moments in European football, um, dreamt that he'd be able to emulate it one day, be part of it. Gary Neville was the same. And, and all of it came back to is just greed about having a closed competition. And I've heard people argue and say that where's the difference? This, these these uh, 12 clubs, uh, founding members taking the money. Where's it any, why is it any different to say UEFA or FIFA in the way that they've run the game in the past? And there's an argument to say, yes, that is correct. You know, they have done the same and there's been corruption and all sorts. And that's true. But two wrongs don't make a right. Mm. And a club deciding or agreeing to a closed competition where 15 clubs are guaranteed to be in the competition year after year and they're guaranteed to earn a certain amount of money every year. I just don't don't see the attraction to that. I mean, I see the attraction from a financial perspective from the clubs because if they're offered, if the if the figures are, are correct, 400 plus million to, to just sign up, another 300 million, I think every season they're involved or, or, or yeah, that they're going forward. I understand that that's a hell of a lot of money. But the division then between those clubs and the rest is going to be so great. And that what they want is they want to, they want all the competitions to be close competitions. They want everyone, they, they want them to just dominate the league's and the competitions everywhere. They don't want this whole thing of, we call it competition, but they, you know, they, what they want is they want to be able to control it. Yeah. And, you and think I think it- that's completely wrong and it's going to kill the game. And the only way I can see it not coming off the ground is if there's a massive revolt in terms of fans. Fans of those clubs and football fans in general, but particularly the clubs that are involved, their fans revolting against their club, which obviously is a hell of a thing to, to want to happen and a hell of a thing for a fan to, to want to be involved in. And I would say is, the, I believe, and I don't know this 100%, but I just believe that the reason why the German clubs are not involved is because of the way that the clubs are structured over there in terms of ownership and that the fans own a certain percentage of the football clubs. Mm-hmm. And if the, if the clubs made a decision to join a league like that, the fans would go absolutely crazy and revolt and it just wouldn't be possible in Germany. And I think that's why they haven't taken part. Um, France, I'm not quite sure the structures of the club, but I think there's a very big reason as well is because their fans wouldn't 
wouldn't uh, wouldn't buy into it. Interesting. Well, I, we know as well. I've, we've seen that. Uh, I think some Liverpool fans have asked for all their um, you know inspirational quotes and banners to be taken down from the cop. So it's happening, Mark. It's, as as yeah, have man. Chelsea fans. There you well. go. Yeah. So I was on the Chelsea feed as well. So everything that Chelsea's been feed has uh, been posting right now. The vast majority of an overwhelming commentary has been regarding the the European Super League or Super yeah. Cup, whatever you want to call it, Super League, um, and 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 the vast majority of comments have been pretty much in disgust of it. So will it go ahead? Yes or no? I I, I hope it doesn't. I really do. I really hope it doesn't. I hope it helps to to forge changes, mm-hmm. but I don't think this is the way to do it. I don't think the clubs to act this way, it, it, I think it separates, it creates a bigger divide than already is. It becomes elitist and it's something that football is not. Football is, football has been grounded on being the people's game and they're turning it into an elitist game and it's, it's wrong. So Mark, uh, that's, there's a little snippet for people. Uh, we, we couldn't not talk about those topics, uh, even on our day off. That's how much we, we care here on the two sharp reds. We aren't elitists, are we? No, absolutely not. Oh, you know what? It's too big. A, it's too big a thing not to talk about. It's no. it's, it's incredible um, to think that the twelve clubs um, who are the so-called founding members have decided that they're going to join it, regardless. Um, there's a few CEOs from the, those various clubs who have also now resigned from their positions uh, in the European Club Association to just to to verify that they were deadly serious. Um, and like I said. We, I mean, Manchester United fans did it, you know, have been doing it for years uh, in protest against their ownership. Hopefully the rest of the clubs will, will follow suit their supporters and now that will intensify because they need a bigger push. Well, you can follow, of course, uh, Optusport, no matter where you look. You've got your Twitters, you've got your Facebooks, Instagrams for all the news revolving uh, the European Super League and, of course, uh, the fallout from Jose Mourinho and Tottenham. But we'll be back next week, Mark. And as I said for this bonus episode, it's a great opportunity to go back and have a listen to some episodes. So I think I think I might go and do that right now, Mark. I think you should, mate. I think you really should because there's a lot of uh, episodes in there where I think particularly your description of the red wine and a player needs to be improved upon. Sure. And you, can look, you can go back and you can check over where you went wrong, so yeah. horribly wrong in some of them. So other people can listen for fun. For me, it's educational. I, I think so, yes. Yeah, smart. All right. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Enjoy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 